So what I think is possible is a world where everyone is living in their gifts and they're sharing and they're enriching one another. We all are better for it when you're happy and when you're in your art and when you're in your heart and when you're sharing. If anything was possible and you couldn't fail, what would you want to spend your life doing? These questions will put you on the path of your purpose, but just let it unfold in its perfect timing. Don't force it. The main symptom is just a really overactive mind. Like mm. just think time, being in your thoughts, making decisions based on your thoughts rather than on what feels like a yes or a no. I think our desires are really deeply important. We have to honor them. They, they're, they're like uniquely ours and they're this charge of energy that's like pulling us towards something that that's for us or is there to teach us something. You can actually neurologically support yourself to have a deeper sense of self-confidence and self-trust by having a practice of Welcome to our greatest performance. My name is Mackenzie Rose Gorman and I'm a coach, entrepreneur, creative, and advocate for holistic well-being. This podcast is your gateway to aligning with your purpose, tapping into ancient wisdom, and embodying your fullest potential. I'm extending the official invitation to step boldly into living your life as your greatest performance. Thanks for tuning in. Let's dive into today's greatness. Happy Valentine's Day. I needed to do something special for this special day of love. So today on the podcast is Sophie Burns. She's a radical romantic, a lover, and a leader, a badass leader. She works as a sex, love, and relationship coach, and she specializes in somatic liberation and personal empowerment for women through self-love, sexual healing, and spirituality. I'm really excited to share this one. So thank you for tuning in. And here we go. Sophie, welcome onto the podcast. Yay. Thank you. Yeah, I'm so excited to have this conversation wherever it leads. I feel like it's just going to kind of be in that perfect flow because one, I, I know a bit about your essence and yourself and your story, but I do feel that radical romance plays so well into a narrative that I want to kind of paint with this show, which is how can we live more beautifully and how can we live more deeply and with more intention and love and purpose? So with that, if you don't mind getting right into it, what does radical romance mean to you? Can you explain that for us? Yeah, it's a, it's a living philosophy in a way. So it's, it's still revealing itself to me. But it's essentially to be in love with your entire life as your love life. And, mm -hmm. and in, a, in a spiritual way, in a sense, to really know yourself as beloved by life and that you know to have breath in our lungs and sun and food and waterfalls and family and all the beautiful things that we have in life like these are our gifts like we are cared for and we often don't notice the real significance of these things and so for me radical romance is kind of reorienting our the art of noticing to the beauty in our lives that's already there. And to me, there's something quite radical about it as well. It's 
it's radical really refers to the roots. It's the foundation. It's like that, which is beneath the soil, which gives rise to the thing. And the world that I want to see emerge is one that is much more deeply loving in an, in a really real clear embodied kind of way. And mm-hmm. to do that, we go through the body and the body really is the roots, the, the nervous system where we can, when we feel safe, when we can actually love, where we feel connected and we can really experience intimacy and those, those things that we most deeply long for. So there's that. And then to me, romance is like, romance is the most delicious, mysterious, like energetic, flirtatious expression that we can have with others, with ourselves or with life. And to me, I want to live in a more romantic world, more beautiful for sure, but also like to, to really feel that, that aliveness, even that turn on um, just from my life. So that's, that's kind of what I've been fleshing out and, and sitting with. And now I, it feels more true to call myself a radical romantic than it does to call myself my job title. Um, <laughs> so, a radical romantic. <laughs> yes. Well, I have a group program where we, where we explore what radical romance means, you know, as a collective. Mm-hmm. Um, and it might, we'll see, we'll see what it becomes. We're just kind of at the beginning of radical romance here. Oh, so yummy. I'm curious, was there a point in time Uh, a chapter or a tipping point when you didn't live with this kind of philosophy and did something change along the way or was this something that's kind of been with you since you were young? Um, I think the truest answer is it has been with me since I was young. There's Mm -hmm. this really video of me like three years old and I'm sitting at the kitchen table and my parents are asking me like, who do you love? And I'm like, really like from like a really deep guttural place. I'm like, I love all the people. My parents were like, you do? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and so when I, when I found that later in life, you know, and I look at it, I'm like, yeah, no, this is, I don't think it's unique to me. I think it's who we are as, yeah. as it's the most pure expression of who we are. And I just, I guess, came full circle on it Mm -hmm. in a way and um you know i kind of came into this world to heal my relationship with my own body to heal my relationship with my own sexuality um and spirituality was kind of its own major journey for me in my life so it's 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 a converging of of many things and many timelines i think ah yes the the clues that our little selves leave for us I think are such beautiful keys that when we can, tr- when we're in this, this mode of self-discovery or, you know, rediscovering what's our truest essence, if you take off the layers of conditioning and societal expectation and shoulds and all of these things, we can go back to our littlest selves and say, you know, it was there all along. And she, she showed up as the way that I now get to circle back, like you said, and show up again. I really resonate with the point you make, which is when we're kids or when we're born, we don't inherently dislike anyone. And we have love for everyone and we are interconnected in very physical and metaphysical ways because that's what humanity really is. Like we are all connected. And then along the way we forget it or we are taught to 
dislike others, dislike ourselves. What do you think is happening in that process? And how do you think it's affecting society, relationships between others, and relationships with self? Yeah. So, so I work under an 82-year-old mentor. She is incredible. Her name's Judith Johnson. And she pioneered this field of psychoneuroenergetics, mm. which is in the, in the field of somatics. She spent the last 50 years in academia, like really on the frontier studying what we now know about the nervous system and somatics and trauma healing and all these kinds of things. Mm. And in a session we had a couple of weeks ago, she spoke to this. And essentially what she shared was that when we're born, we are pure love. We're pure oneness. Like we're still holding that thread of the the cosmic oneness. And very early on, like within days, weeks, or months of our being born, we experience something where we where we learn that we're separate. And sometimes it's as simple as like calling out and a parent just isn't there. There could be a perfectly loving parent, but just like little, little teeny real life moments of humanity will teach the child who's in this pure loving consciousness. And, and there'll be this like, Mm, like something's wrong with the world. Something's wrong with me. Something's wrong with my parent. Like, and they start to learn that like something's not safe or something's wrong. And like very early on that imprinting starts and, and then it builds and it confirms itself. And we, we end up with a society where we all feel separate and we act separate. And, and then there's all these other currents of energy and fears and distrusts and disconnections between us. But I really liked her bringing it back to that because it's like, it's so core you, and you can't really even blame anybody about it. It's actually kind of the nature of what it is to come to this earth and be human is it's part of the journey of remembering and forgetting and remembering and forgetting. Like we have to forget to remember. And it's in those relational moments that we both can forget and can collectively remember. Yes. Yeah. And it is such a, a piece of humanity that to lose something gives you the opportunity to find it again and then to appreciate it that much more. As you lead your students, your clients and in your group through the work of undoing this type of conditioning and um, lead them into a new mindset, a new heart set, what does that process look like? And what are the blocks that people are kind of working against? And how do you get them through that? Yeah, there's many answers to this question. In a way, partly because we all have similar imprints to some degree, but we're mm -hmm. also different. And the same way that like different diet is going to work for a different person, a different mm -hmm. modality of remembering is going to work for a different person. So all of the work is rooted in the soma. It's rooted in the body. So mm -hmm. no matter what, we're coming home, coming home to the body. Uh, one of the patterns that I think draws people to, to, to do the work with me is a sense of desiring deeper self-love, noticing mm -hmm. that there's harsh dialogues going on in the mind, a sense that you can't do anything right, just a disconnection from your body, from your sexuality, a desire to take up space or use your voice, but not trusting yourself, mm -hmm. not trusting that what you have to say really matters. So many of us carry this so deeply in our bodies. And if you felt it, you know, it's like literally crippling sometimes to like have such a strong desire 
to love and connect, but then there's like these forces within you that hold your voice down and they hold your body back. And so the work that we do, we it's very, it's a very like individual journey, but we do it together and partly because we're all going through kind of the same thing. So as we do it and as we share and as we grow, it becomes a really powerful like field that fosters even more vulnerability, even more growth. And then we have a space to practice being the woman who speaks proudly of her story instead of doesn't own it or is ashamed of it or something like that. So that's part of it. And then we also work, we work with a whole bunch of different tools. So the methodology that I've been trained in, we use tools from Tantra, from Taoism, from somatics, from like archetypal divine energy work to, you know, inner child parts work. Like it's, there's kind of a lot of tools to use in any given moment. And to your like initiative around life being beauty and life being art. And for me, like life being romance, like even working with my clients or working with a group of my clients, it's, it's an artistry. It's like, mm, how can I feel intuitively for what you all need and bring forth that thing that's going to meet us all right now, right here in the context of what's going on in the world. So it's, it's a really beautiful art form. And it's, it's very powerful. And in the words of one of my, my students, what we're doing and what we're te- what's being taught is revolutionary. And I feel it. So. I can feel it just through your kind of energy transmission and knowing how much people struggle with confidence and with truly loving themselves. And the interesting ways in which it shows up where you see people who seem loud and gregarious, but then they internally can't even connect to their emotions or are so disconnected from their body or like have something with their throat where they can't speak their truth or their voice. But I also think that a piece of it is some people aren't connected enough to even really know their truth to begin with. And so it's kind of like a becoming safe in the body, getting to know oneself so that they can tap in and start listening to themselves, to their intuition. I'm curious, somatically, what does it, how does it manifest for people that aren't connected to their body or to their sexuality? How does that affect someone? So um, it can manifest in a number of ways. And depending on why you're disconnected or why you feel you're disconnected, what your story is around that. Yeah. Uh, but for a lot of people, the main symptom is just a really overactive mind. Like mm. just think time, being in your thoughts, making decisions based on your thoughts rather than on what feels like a yes or a no, doubting yourself, just being in your narrative basically. And so that's like one of the clearest ways to, to, to recognize a sense of disconnection because you will have no doubt that you're connected when you feel connected. Mm-hmm. You feel, but when you drop into the body and you and you start practicing because it's a practice for a lot of us like it takes many repetitions mm-hmm. to expand your awareness to expand your sense of feeling and sensitivity and ultimately pleasure and and get to real states of high thriving but for the for many people the first kind of few times you go you go deep into the body there's a lot of numbness and a lot of pain or a lot of like contraction or resistance And these are all beautiful communications of the body that at some point it did not feel safe. And rather than have you feel painful emotions or sensations, it just chose to create a cloak of numbness 
and now there's numbness. And so this is why we do the work. If you want to feel fully alive, you can't selectively numb sensations or emotions. So your body will subconsciously protect you by shutting you off from the really painful ones to help you survive. But ultimately, if you want to like really be in your power and in your truth and in your femininity or masculinity or whatever, we, you need to go in and, and at least release the charge of whatever it is that's behind the numbness or the pain. And that's where it becomes really beautiful to do this work as a group, because it's like, you're not alone in it. We all have it and let's do it together and let's create safety together and let's celebrate each other's wins. Even baby steps are big wins because there's no destination really. Like that's not, there's not the point. We walk, we walk the path because the path is beautiful you know yes we walk the path because the path is beautiful <laughs> yes yeah and when you enjoy and when you enjoy the walk and you have the vision to look at the detail and to be gra grateful for everything that's around you and see the beauty of it and in it and the artistry of life and creation doesn't necessarily matter where you're going or when you get there right and it's just fun to walk among others. Yeah. For me, this year, one of the greatest, like, not just this year, but definitely the last couple years, I mm -hmm. have never recognized how deeply I value sisters, mm -hmm. sisterhood, friendships yeah. with other women mean so much more to me than I ever understood when I was in my teens or in my 20s. And I am still in my 20s, but like in my early 20s. <laughs> and uh now, like the, the feeling of walking among other women is the mm. best feeling in the world. As I really don't care where we're going. Like if I'm with you <laughs> and we're just like mobbing. <laughs> uh, yeah, to me, that's, that's been one of the greatest blessings of this year, this life. Oh, yes. Was there a time in life where you felt the sister wound or I think there's a lot of narrative in life right now of like women can't support other women a lot of toxicity in that space do you have a personal kind of story relating to that I have many I have many stories of feeling wounded and participating in the wounding mm -hmm. of sisters I, I I think most of us probably do um but I, I also didn't grow up with any actual sisters. I, even most of my cousins were male. Like I didn't really grow up a, around um, that in a way. And so my, my friends, my friendships in elementary school and summer camp and middle school and all those kinds of things were like my primary ways of learning about sisterhood. Yeah, I mean, there were core, core ruptures to that sisterly love at a really young age for me. And I think, you know, this kind of comes back to what I believe, which is that like, we all have a different curriculum. Like some people have it really easy with health or really easy with love, but really hard with career or really hard with family. Like we all kind of get our different curriculum. That's exactly what we need to carve our character and fortify what we're here to do and serve in the world. So for me, like I have a lot of, I did have a lot of wounding around sisters and now, because I've really had to like learn how to move through that, I feel like I'm, I really feel I know how to be a girl's girl because I know how hurt I've been when 
a sister chooses her boyfriend over you and they don't talk to you anymore or um you know there's god there's so many um I don't, yeah. I don't know if I feel comfortable sharing like a specific story um yeah no that- not a specific story that's I'm more I guess when I'm imagining someone listening to this what maybe would be a tool or just a different perspective to look through those things or to not put their worth into a rupture with someone else or to take back the ability to want to show up for other women instead of being like, well, I'm going to be hurt or I'm going to be wounded. What would that look like? Do you think if you're trying to guide someone through that space? There's a few parts to this. The first maybe being that something I've experienced, something I've even witnessed in my mother and in other like women in my life is that there are some friends that mean the world to you that will just grow apart from and they will walk away and they don't want to be your friend anymore and there's not going to be any understanding of it. I've seen this in my life and in other people's lives and there's something really like hard to grasp about it, especially for the part of the mind that wants to understand or that's Mm -hmm. taking it personally. And I think there's like, such great power in choosing peace and forgiveness and like all right like that that has cleared space in my life and rather than focus my energy and attention on what I don't have and and what the wound feels like I'm going to focus on envisioning what I want my relationships to actually feel like and go and become a woman who can magnetize those and who can be vulnerable and can can host and lead and all these kinds of things so that that first point really just being like, I actually believe with relationships, there are certain circumstances where you're not going to get to the bottom of it. No number of letters you write or phone calls you make are going to clarify it. Sometimes they will. And I've had that happen as well. And it's been really deeply meaningful and transformative for me. But there have been some where people just grow apart and and you just have to surrender and keep growing. So yeah, the magic in that being forgiveness and then the power of where you place your focus. Yeah. I think for me, I've tended in my life to be very sentimental and I reflect a lot and I feel so much value of like all of my past life experiences. And honestly, this year, the people that I've been surrounding myself with are so visionary and they spend so much time visioning the future and dreaming the future. And I have noticed in their presence how deeply I needed that reminder And so I've like really put in a lot of work over the last few months to just clear and clarify and seal up all bleeding wounds from my past and just like let things go. And now I'm investing all of that energy into visioning my future. And I feel so much more powerful and true and and free and creative because of it. Yes, because... Whether or not we can resolve something or if it's resolved, we're giving psychic energy to it. We're giving our conscious mind energy to it. And I've been on a similar during the last couple of years. I've looked at my life and I've laid it all out and said, what feels unresolved and wrapped those up. And for some, it's a conversation or getting together after years of not seeing someone. And for some, it's very internal work, right? Where you're like, I am no longer willing to give my psychic energy, my mind power to this situation. And then you get it back and then you get to invest it in what really matters to you. And as you, I know you mentioned your vision a little bit earlier. 
in regard to radical romance, but as you vision what the world can look like as we move forward and if we embody concepts such as really radically loving ourselves, loving others, loving our work, pouring ourselves into attention to detail and to savoring moments and people and experiences, what do you think is possible if people leaned more into this philosophy that you work around? What do I think is possible? Mm-hmm. Anything. You know, it's like we're so strong when we're united and when we share and we share our gifts. So for me, like people being loving of themselves and honoring of themselves allows their true gifts to come forth. We're not all built to to do one thing or another, like, but we have we have something within us that you know, we can create an environment and a community that that uplifts it and fosters it. Mm-hmm. So what I think is possible is a world where everyone is living in their gifts and they're sharing and they're enriching one another. And I don't think that means there's going to be like perfect harmony and bliss all the time. But I do think that what we can create from that place is going to be extraordinary and unfathomable to our present moment minds right now and again I spend a lot of time around people that are like really deep in their visionary powers and they're telling me about all these like these future things and these innovations and like what it's going to look like in 20 years and I'm like cool so there's going to be all this new no matter what like there's going to be a ton of new tech mm-hmm. yeah there's going to be different systems like things are going to feel the same same but different like we know this and I keep thinking like, well, what's my role going to be as a woman in a new, in a new world and in, in a new technologically different world? I mean, if we're just talking 10 or 20 or 30 years down the line, like I have no idea, mm-hmm. but I think like no matter what, we have to hold the pulse, like hold that pulse, that nature, that cycle, that feminine, that, that resonant humming of all things it's if ai and tech and all this stuff is just going to keep going and we love it like we we want we want to see a world where all these things like create more opportunity for the beauty of humanity to come through um we have to keep a really strong sense strong heart strong strong finger on the pulse um to not get sent off in all the newness that's also what i see in the future I resonate with that a lot. I think it's a really great point to also say the ideal or like a future that I imagine that's beautiful isn't all perfect harmony and bliss, like you said, because you can relate it back to nature. But if you look at nature in the beautiful cyclical pattern of the seasons, let's say, there's always going to be a winter or in the ocean, there's always going to be storms, even though there's also like the opposite of that. And that duality and polarity is what allows us to even more accept and love and appreciate all of the beauty and the goodness and then allow you also see the beauty in the storm the beauty in the pain and the challenge so I totally relate to that and I think with skills such as what you teach it allows people to embody um, or to be more embodied in general but to embody the the mindset and the perspective and just the nervous system regulation, all those things that allow people to better move through the challenging states. And that creates a more beautiful world, even without anything else actually happening. 
because the internal state is changing. So I love that a lot. And I want to go a little deeper into your connection to nature. The woman's body is so representative of seasons as well. And just being able to ground into the the wisdom of, of Mother Earth and be held in those codes and like deep ancient love and um, beauty. What is philosophy and relationship with nature and how it plays into your personal life, how it plays into your works? Well, I can never get enough of it. Uh, Amen. <laughs> that, that longing, that thirst, that, that craving is really indicative. It's really powerful. And I think it actually translates really well to the work that I do, especially with women and especially with women's sexuality, mm. is we all have, um, and I'll tie this back in in a moment, but it's like we, we all have these really deep desires. For many of us, it's just to be in love and have a family, or maybe we have a desire for a specific thing that we want to create into the world or whatever. But I think our desires are really deeply important. We don't necessarily have to fulfill them all, but we have to honor them. They, they're, they're like uniquely ours. And they're this charge of energy that's like pulling us towards something that that's for us or is there to teach us something or whatever. And I, I don't think I'm alone. In fact, I think I'll probably... It's fair to say almost all of us have this thirst, this craving, this longing for more time in nature and kind of in, in a deeper philosophy on that with the mother, the great mother, the earth mother, like we all have this longing to be held and loved and cared for and nurtured. And, and it's really that primary place that we all start when we're, when we're babies, right. And we're in total love and we're in total oneness, the, there's the sentiment that I really love, which is the mother and I are one. The mother and I are one. And we don't feel it when we're living our linear boxy screen time lives. But when you're out there swimming in the ocean, you're like, even if you're the most rational atheist person in the world, you still feel a sense of connection to something greater than yourself. And I think it's that which so many of us are longing, but because we're not either letting ourselves receive it or feeling worthy to let it in even when we have it or carving time for it because we're so busy with all these other things that we feel we have to cope and we, we pour our energy into other pursuits that take us even further from this longing that we have. Uh, I feel this a lot in my own life and I see it all the time and I see it all around in, in the world at large. And so I think to me, like the body isn't just like a symbol of earth or of life. It's the direct path by which we come alive and then the whole world comes alive to us again. I've been really interested in in animist thinking and indigenous philosophy and in the realivening this world that we've been taught our objects, the resources, we can just plow down forests and use them as resources. And I have been really deeply transformed by reading and listening and, and being a part of dialogues with people that have a much more 
animist worldview and honor and recognize the trees as beings, the air as as spirit itself. Like even when you're in your your cubicle on your screen, like even then, by way of the body, you can still remember the aliveness of all things. So I don't know exactly how to tie that thought neatly with the bow, but those are some feelings I have on the topic. <laughs> it doesn't need to be tied with a bow because that's kind of the beauty of nature is its roughness and rawness and doesn't ever need to be perfectly packaged and that in and of itself is the perfect packaging. Um, we love it messy. What are you Exactly, yeah, leave it wild. What are your thoughts and opinions on purpose or dharma and someone's place in the world? How do you think about that? <laughs> I I think that we all have one. I think as Jai Dev says, if you have a mind, you have a mission. And I really like that. Mm -hmm. uh, we all have that unique gift. We all have a calling. We all have something for us. And to be honest, because of the context of life, not everyone is going to be able to fulfill it. So for me, part of the world I want to create is a world where the, the environment is such where everyone can fulfill mm -hmm. it. Regardless, I think that it's something that manifests really differently for everybody. And some people knew right away, they knew when they were five years old that they wanted to be a doctor or they wanted to be an artist or a singer. And it just, it was just so loud and it never left them. Mm -hmm. And others of us, it takes a decade, many decades, the entire lifetime to be in a space of exploration to figure out what's truly mine and what do I, what actually lights me up and where do I want to be and who do I want to be with? Like these like really core questions, I think, reveal themselves differently to some of us. And the core message I would want to give in that is whatever is your reality, like, isn't a problem. It's your gift. Like it's taking you many years of trial and error and working this job and moving to this city and you know you think you might want to work in the wellness space but you're working corporate and you don't know exactly what you want to do but you know that you got to change like I know that's a super common story for a lot of people right now not a problem like enjoy the journey and follow follow your bliss and follow what lights you up like that those are the north stars like that's how you're going to find it you can you can look back at your childhood self and notice what they loved doing and you can learn a lot from that but I think just having a practice of really acknowledging what inspires you who inspires you if anything was possible and you couldn't fail what would you want to spend your life doing these yeah. questions will put you on the path of your purpose but just let it unfold in its perfect timing don't force it absolutely yeah, there's this deep piece of faith and trust that when you really invite it in and not just allow it in, but actively work to keep it in part of your way of being, that you can just let things unfold because everything holds teaching and everything holds a lesson and everything holds maybe a little sprinkle of a whisper towards doing something or maybe it's going to shout really loud at you. But I think that that's a beautiful way of looking at it, which is just appreciation for each each moment, each circumstance, each chapter, each person, all of the things, because that is the way our story is being written. 
and the way it's woven, we don't have ultimate control over, but we get to kind of like lead lead the progression forward. And mm-hmm. um, I want to circle back to intuition for a moment because I'm curious, as, within your own journey and with people you work with, as they do this kind of self-love work and this reconditioning work, does that allow them to tap more into their intuition? And how would you provide guidance or support for someone who is maybe like, I know I have intuition, like we all have it, but like, I don't know if I can hear it or I don't know how to follow it. How would you guide that person? Yeah. So I'm, I'm, in, a, I'm in a very quotey mood today, um, but I'm feeling like referencing my favorite book. I think I can call it my favorite. Women Who Run With the Wolves by Dr. Yes. Clarissa. <laughs> um, she speaks a lot. This, by the way, if anyone listening, please do yourself a favor and read this book. It will take you a long time. It is a long, dense book. It is academic and rich and mythological and it allow it to take you some time. Read it with a pen and a cup of tea. Enjoy it. I think it's a rite of passage for us as women to to read this book. I have personal, personal, really strong opinion about this book. I agree. Um, <laughs> so we're good. Um, and so one of the things that she speaks a lot about is the instinct injured woman. And mm-hmm. essentially that so many of us at such a young age learn to override our instincts because of what we've been told by someone else. We want to please someone else. We're just, we're playing for a different incentive structure than following our own internal desires. And so really early on, we shut down our instincts and in that, our intuition. It's like, if you never listen to your intuition, it's not going to speak as clearly to you as it once did. And so I think recognizing that, like that I, I had to recognize this for myself a couple of years ago. Like I'm not, I haven't always been how I am. Like I went through a full fucking dark night of the soul journey and all kinds of things to like learn all this and go through this process. And there was a, there was a time where I, I knew I lived in my head. I knew I felt disconnected from my body. I had all kinds of disordered eating and insecurities and was kind of in and out of like panic and anxiety and like had sleep paralysis and all this stuff. And I knew that I wasn't connected to my intuition. I knew that I wasn't connected to my body. So the first thing is like just recognizing if that's where you're at, like celebrate that you've made it to the starting line by recognizing that. Like, heck yeah. And then, you know, you can rebuild it. You can clear the polluted waters that you've been swimming in and you can rebuild your connection to your intuition. One, by listening to your body, by making a practice of actually acknowledging how your body feels which doesn't have to be like a conceptual, like, what am I feeling right now thing, but like literally just noticing there's moisture in my mouth. My right hip feels a little bit tight. My body feels a little bit tense. My belly feels soft. Even something as simple as that. Don't write it off because it's highly simple. Like when you do that and you do that consistently and you make a practice of having that level of somatic awareness, your body will be able to speak to you because you're listening and you'll be able to understand it better because you're practicing listening. And that's one part of it. And I think the other part to like really rebuild trust with your intuition is to exercise it in small ways and let those grow. So for example, take yourself on an adventure one evening in your town and don't have a plan and walk out your front door 
and just notice if you feel called left or right. Cool. Like, and when you, when it's time and you get hungry, like notice how you know what you want. And you'll probably also notice doubts. There will probably also be an equal thought process. That's like, maybe I should have gone left. Like, I don't know. Think of this like the purge, like this is your body detoxing all of that conditioning that there even is a right way in the first place. Coming to your intuition is just saying, what's my way? And really honoring your own self. And I think it's built on lots of small actions and celebrations of those actions to really reaffirm it. Mm, The celebration piece is really important. I think that's a huge part of just living a beautiful life is celebrating anything and everything we possibly can. And especially when it comes to the to the story of us, to the the discovery of our truest selves. And I do that same, I have my clients do that same thing, like have an intuitive day where it's just, you just follow what you feel. I think one misconception about intuition is that it's like this magical, different voice. And it's like, no, it's still you. It's just the you that is speaking to you almost before the mind speaks to you. And like learning how to listen to that before things like doubt come in or before logic and rationality comes in. Because a lot of times when you're allowing yourself to be intuitively led, it doesn't involve logic and rationality because we have a mind center, which gives us information. But we also have a heart center where we get information. We also, if you carry a womb, we have a womb information from that. And even men have that. And, you know, we have our gut instincts and all of that and There's different ways to communicate with self other than just out of your mind. And yeah, I love that practice. And I would encourage anyone listening to give it a go and to just follow what feels good. And the first thing that comes to mind is usually what's trying to be communicated. And that leads me into authenticity. Authenticity is something that I am very passionate about. Because especially with an age of like so much internet and social media and trends and trying to fit in, we we have like a deep biological need to not be othered and to be a part of the tribe, the collective, or it, it feels like a big wound. But in really honoring ourselves and coming back to what I call our authentic code. To live authentically is really to release your freest and truest self to the world. And that's where we have a chance for our gifts to to both come up out of us and to give give them. And to give is one of the, I think, the core human needs of a true, deeply beautiful, fulfilling life. What has your road of authenticity looked like? A lot of times, you know, the human predicament is that we lose ourselves to find ourselves. And we don't always know exactly what authenticity is, especially in the areas of like middle school, high school. And then we slowly come back to it or we rediscover it or we redefine it. I'm curious, what has that looked like for you? I think authenticity is perhaps strengthened when you have a sense of safety or yeah, community or something that really like uh, evokes it from you. It doesn't just allow mm. for it, but like wants to know you, wants to see you, wants to call it forth, which is a rare 
I think it might be a rare thing. I don't want to, I don't want to say that and confirm it with my words, but in my life, it's been a rare thing. And yeah, it's so age appropriate during your teen and twenties to be asking the questions of who am I? Like, how can you even be authentic if you don't know what you are or what you like or what you want? And we're constantly being fed and sold all this stuff that we should want and we think we should want. And so then like, it just, it's polluted waters is what I keep calling it. It's like mm. most of us spend all of our time with our eyes out. If you never close your eyes up to open your inner eye and actually sit with your own experience, like you're not going to have a felt understanding of what your authenticity is. When I was in my teens, when I was 19, I joined a sorority at this big school that I went to and I was probably living in the farthest pendulum swing of inauthenticity that I could. I remember like online shopping for clothes that looked just like the clothes of the coolest girls in the sorority. And like, I, yeah, it was a deep desire to belong at the mm -hmm. cost of authenticity because I didn't feel safe or I didn't feel like I would be accepted. And by the end of that year, I was so anxious and so depressed and so uncomfortable in my body. I mean, I was, I would have panic attacks over really small things and I had sleep paralysis every single night. Like wow. my body was screaming to me, homegirl, get out. What are you doing? And I think one of the ways to find your way back when you get lost is to do a really honest reflection and acknowledge like the points in your life where you were really in your radiance or you accomplished something where you, where life felt really good. And I could look back at my teenage years and be like, you know what? Like I do know who I am because I did love that thing that I did. And I did feel really good in that class. And I loved writing that paper and I do know what's mine. And so mm -hmm. reflection can be a really powerful way to, to reorient when you feel like you've lost your way. But for me, it took me quite a while, which I mean, really, getting that depressed and that disconnected prompted my spiritual journey. Mm -hmm. So it's not even like that was wrong. Like that was yeah. a perfectly important life experience and place for me to be because I would not be the woman that I am had I not been that teenager that I was. So holding even her in, in a depth of compassion and forgiveness and understanding sets me freer to be my authentic self now. Because me being my authentic self now is like owning like, yeah, look, I was a sorority girl. I used to live in a van. Like I've had some crazy life chapters, but my authenticity comes from my claiming them and, and being empowered by them. Yeah. This is a big, this is a big, this is like a book length topic, but. It is. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, that just relates back to like, there, there is no right and wrong. And each part of our lives leads us towards where we're going. I would, there, there's no right and wrong, but there is a right and wrong for you. Yes. Like, like if you have an objective of who you want to be and a life you want to live and a goal you mm -hmm. have and a desire you have, there is, there are choices that are better than other choices for mm -hmm. certain objectives. And I think it's just really important to hold that because it gives a little bit of integrity and backbone to your process in a way that it's true spiritually and at other levels, there is no right and wrong or there is right and wrong, but there is, there's a very specific way that you can feel your way through for what's uniquely yours. And I think it matters to just name that. 
Uh, I love that. That's such a good point. And that really is like alignment. And that is understanding what is your authentic code, what actually is going to put you on the track of you being aligned with your truest self, your authentic self, your higher self, your path. I appreciate that, that ad, because that's so true. Um, I think in my head, I was thinking more like if you look back, I really hate to see people looking back and being like, I made the wrong decision. I did the wrong thing. And in the scheme of things, yes, it was maybe out of alignment, but it also gives, you know, a, a piece of the puzzle. Um, but yeah, that is a good addition to the thought because that makes it more complete. So hard that we all have something where you look back and you're just like, <laughs> what was I <laughs> And you know what? I think like, oh, <laughs> uh, this is where, this is where like when the who run with the wolves really comes in for me. It's, that was, mm -hmm. I, I did more healing reading that book than I did in in other modalities of healing. Like it really landed something for me about how we think we're supposed to just take on the world all by ourselves. And, and, you know, we don't like live in a society where it's maybe culturally normal for your father to protect you in a way that maybe he would have when he was paying your dowry and like, whatever, I don't, you know? And yeah. so we just kind of set out and do things. And it's like, but when you invest in your community and in in having people around you that can really mirror to you, like, hey, sis, like, I've actually never seen you this distracted. Like, is everything good? You know, mm. or wow, like you're so lit up. Like that man brings out the best in you. Like we like him. Keep him around. Mm. Like we have people that are there to help protect and mirror and and guide and shape and lift your life with you. I think that's really really, 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 really important. And something I wish for all people to experience or create for themselves. Yeah. A lot of that is this, this two-sided thing of, I think there's an energetic piece of it, right? Like being in the energy of who you want to be, who you want to attract. And then there's also an active piece of going to find those people and such. What's, what's your advice for someone who's like, I am lacking that. I want that. I need that. Where would you direct them? How would you how would you guide them in that kind of quandary? I get that a lot, especially in my TikTok comments. Uh-huh. I say a few things to it. One, you have to put the full weight of your body on the stepping stone, is what I say. Mm. You mm -hmm. are on your way. You're on your path. Where you are is not wrong. Like you're in the perfect exact precise moment that's getting you to the things that you want but you have to be here and arrive here and if you can even accept or be grateful or even be enthusiastic about your reality right now that will put you in the magnetic vibrational frequency to really be calling in those things at a higher level but if you're resisting your reality and you're playing like i don't have enough friends i'm this i'm and you're you're playing into your own negativity that's the first place to start the revolution starts when you stop feeding the negative thoughts in your mind first things first and then the next thing i can offer is just from my own lived experience where i i've traveled the world for the last decade i've moved all over i've bought one way flights and moved to new cities so many times out of pure joy some maybe were out of necessity but most were out of my desire to adventure and connect and uh, drop pillars in different parts on the planet. Mm. And now I literally have some of my dearest friends 
all over the world. And I feel very strong for that. And I think what allows me to do it is a really perhaps delirious or delulu, whatever, what do they call it? Delusional. Delusional. Um, a sense of trust. Like I, this comes back to the radical romance. Like I am deeply beloved. We all are. Yeah. And, and it shows itself in different ways for all of us. But like, to me, I trust that I can go somewhere. I can show up alone. I can have no idea, you know, what the thing is. And I can go and I can sit in the park and I'm brave enough to lean in and chat with the person that looks interesting to me. And I trust that like the doors will open and I've never been disappointed. And partly because I have no expectation and I'm fully satisfied with my own company. So like, even if I go on a solo trip expecting to make friends and I don't, it's like, ah, you know what? I must've really needed this alone time. I'm grateful for it. Like sure, a party would have been nice tonight, but you know what? Candlelight writing in my journal is, I, I'm also able to let myself be satisfied by that. But yeah, I think it's like your ease of being and your trust and your willingness to focus on what you do have will get you wherever you want to go faster and better. Faster and better. That, yeah, I resonate so much with that. I think that's amazing advice. Focus on what you want. The TLDR, focus on what you want, what feels exciting, what comes with that easeful versus forceful feeling. I love the trust piece. I think that trust is one of these things that also, similar to tapping into our intuition, is is cultivated because if we have learned and practiced ourselves away from trust, it doesn't just come back all of a sudden. And as you've deepened into self-trust, self-love, self-confidence, enjoying your own company, a piece at least for me in my exploration and deepening into that state is being able to really love and appreciate tiny things appreciate stuff about myself and about the world around me. And then as you get into a more appreciative, expansive state, you appreciate more about yourself. You appreciate more about others. What does an exploration of, of trusting yourself more feel like and look like to you? And are there any like tips, hacks, practices that you would recommend? Yeah. To me, this is this is the homecoming, right? This is where the body comes back in. So how can you trust yourself if you don't feel like you know yourself, if you don't feel like you're connected to yourself, if you don't have a relationship yeah. with yourself? And, you know, again, to this sentiment about like living in this world full of objects, so many of us have been taught that our bodies are objects and then we don't even fill them with alive ability to, to feel deeply because we were objected by it from a really young age. Mm -hmm. Um, thing as simple as having your parent talk about you in third person while you're there as a child, these kinds of things can really deeply ingrain a, a, a sense of the body being separate from you. Mm -hmm. And so I think that any kind of movement this anything where you're in your body where you're breathing deep where you're making sound where you're feeling your aliveness will support the restoration of your self-trust there are some things that i would recommend even more 
specifically, like having a practice of self-massage because that releases oxytocin, which is a chemical or a neurotransmitter that literally fosters our sense of trust. When we feel it with others, we trust them more. And so when we feel it with ourselves, we trust ourselves more. So you can actually neurologically support yourself to have a deeper sense of self-confidence and self-trust by having a practice of touching and massaging and nourishing your own body. If you do that and allow pleasure and goodness and ero to come through, it only will amplify your experience. Mm, that's such a good tip. And really, yeah, you can use neuroscience, you can use the neurology and the wiring of our biological system to increase something like trust, which builds your inner world, which will be reflected in your outer world. And just love that, that interconnection of it all. To play off that in regard to just how you care for yourself, your health, your wellness. I'm just curious if you have any special routines or things you do or anything in that category that nourishes you and that keeps you feeling well so you can show up as your best and healthiest and truest self. I drink a lot of tea and mm -hmm. I touch my body a lot and I really enjoy the art of adornment. I would mm -hmm. say those are like three of my primary self-care practices. So for tea, like I really have loved learning about herbalism and it's like a lifelong journey. And to go to my kitchen and to say to myself, how do I want to feel today? And then look at my herbs and know that if I drink rose, I'm going to feel more open and more loving. And if I drink kava, I'll feel more relaxed and a little euphoric. And if I drink peppermint, like it's just to me, it's such an art form and a really intentional choice of noticing how I feel and mm -hmm. then choosing how I want to feel. And then tea is such an ancient spiritual practice because you're working with all of the elements simultaneously. So I really love my tea practice and I find that it's maturing as I mature. And then, yeah, I touch my body all day long. I'm constantly massaging my neck, my face, my breasts. I mm. spent a lot of time doing my own somatic self-care, self-pleasure practices. I find it's one of the most beneficial things that I can do to like vibrationally be who I want to be. Um, you know, you can, you can write and think your, and talk your way only so far, but to actually be in an embodiment practice will get you the full way there. And then the last thing being the art of adornment. Like I really love going to my closet and, and saying, who do I want to be today? What character do I want to play? What part of myself do I want to emphasize? And then like playing dress up. That to me has been like a childhood, you know, safe space. And so growing into myself as a woman and letting myself be beautiful and letting myself be artistic and expressive through what I wear. Um, I feel very connected to myself and yeah, expressive because of that. Mm, those are beautiful. I know you do too. You are, you are a, a sister <laughs> on the beauty way deep in the art of adornment. Absolutely. Yeah. I think a convergence of how you and I both live or a similarity is that, you know, there's really no detail too small. Like I believe in 
making things aesthetically pleasing to the eye, to smell good, to look good, all of those components. You are, your life is a masterpiece. You are a masterpiece. Why not make every piece to the best of your ability something that feels like yummy to you? And so I can definitely relate to that. I'm curious if I asked you the question, what does living well or well-being truly mean to you? It means you love your life. Yeah. You love your life. And what a beautiful state of being that is. Yeah. And like love, like love and relationship, like love for ourselves, it's not 100%, 100% of the time. It's a practice. Love, yeah. Love in all forms. Yeah. It's like it's it's a practice you, you know you meet the edge of where you don't love something and you're like hmm you know where where in i where in myself can i access a love even for this experience even for this pain even for this grief so i don't think it's so, so easy as just like you love your life all the time 100% your life's perfect it's like no you can actually accept even the imperfections and pain points of your life and still choose love that to me is a greater metric of well-being than having a life that like seemingly you have all your boxes checked and everything seems perfect. You have a much higher well-being if you just have a willingness to love and accept what is, um, you oh know, and gosh. Yeah. It to be whatever you want it to be, but you still have to meet it where it's at. Yes. It's mm-hmm. kind of like where people get off the tracks a little bit with spirituality of it's all love and light. It's like, no, it's, you know, like you look at the yin yang, it's, it's light and dark. And then love plays into that and appreciation for all of it. And that's what amplifies the light and the love, but being in acceptance of the, of the darker parts too. Absolutely. Oh, this has been such a good conversation. As we wrap up, I have a few, uh, rapid fire questions for you. No. All right. What is something currently on your bucket list? Riding horses on the beach in Cape Town, South Africa. Whoa. Which I'll be doing two months. Okay. Yes. I love that. The active bucket list checking off lifestyle. I'm right there with you. <laughs> like put it on and then do it. <laughs> um, I know that you did share your favorite book, but um, do you have a, another favorite or most recommended book? that you share? Ooh, the one I've been called to share right now, I have many books that I love dearly, but there's a really fun book that everyone should enjoy reading called Jitterbug Perfume by Tom Robbins. It's, it's magical realism. It's absolutely hilarious. It's full of spiritual truths and it's a really good journey. Uh, every sentence is delicious and the whole story is amazing. So Jitterbug perfume, because we all could use a little bit more fiction and play in our lives. So that's a good that's a good read for this winter. Or this Amen. I just wrote that down. What is something you firmly believe in that others might not? That is not you know mainstream. I firmly believe that there's nothing we cannot love. There's nothing that we can't love. That lands. What is a current goal of yours or something that you're working towards right now? Currently, and maybe by the time this airs, it won't be this way, but currently I am building an online course to 
teach the fundamentals of how to be your own healer and how to move through sexual trauma and mm. connect more deeply with like your soma, your body, your self-love. So I'm currently in the studio recording and filming and like building this online course. So um, that, that's my answer. Oh, that is so needed. We will put it in the show notes. The next one, what does the world need more of? The more world needs more laughter. I feel like I would love to have more laughter in my life. Sometimes lately I get in these serious little moods and I have to put on something that's like comedy and just (laughs) get out of that. Uh, uh, What would you tell your younger or teenage self? Oh, I'd probably be like, I'd probably like hyper up, you know, I'd be like, damn girl, like you look fine. Like you're so rich. And like your dreams matter. Use your voice. I fucking love you. Let's see what you got. Go, go, get them. Go get them. Don't care what anybody says. Like send it. <laughs> that kind of a pep talk. In that. Oh time. my gosh! Yes. Then <laughs> <laughs> crank it up. Crank it up for the world and put it through a megaphone to the globe. Um, the last one, actually, speaking of megaphones out to the people, if you wanted to just share a one minute, like love note of love and encouragement and support and wisdom for the audience, just tapping into what you want to share and what people need to hear today. Do you want to go ahead and share your message? You have been gifted something that no one else in the entire world ever has had or ever will have. And enjoy, enjoy discovering what that is. Enjoy cultivating how to live it and express it and enjoy connecting with the world as you share it. Only you know what it is. And we all, we all want it. We all want to see you thrive. We all are better for it when you're happy and when you're in your art and when you're in your heart and when you're sharing. So don't be shy. Cultivate this gift and share it with the world. Thank you, Sophie. That was delicious and so needed. All right. Well, I'm sure people will have interest in following you or connecting with you or sharing love and insight or like anything that came up for them during this. How can people find you um, out in the interwebs? (laughs) In interwebs. You can find me walking (laughs) down the street in a randomly (laughs) city near you if you're lucky. I've been spotted in the wild a couple times. Um, but if that is not the case, you can, of course, find me on and TikTok. Um, I'm sure you'll put it in the show notes, but my Instagram is Soph Burns. My TikTok is Love Sophie Burns or my website, sophburns.com. You can find me. You can just you can just holler out. You can go out at night under the moon and just kind of call out to me in like a <laughs> kind of a tone or a song and like my just wander into your dreams and like a onesie on a on a on a wolf 
support and like we, we can vibe in the in the etheric realms too so you can find me wherever wherever you can. i'll be there. let's get astral with it yes amazing <laughs> I will put all that in the show notes for y'all. Definitely give Sophie a follow on TikTok because she just infuses her whole page with yummy stories, yummy wisdom, just so much goodness. And um, Sophie, thank you so much for having this conversation with me today. It was a pleasure and an honor. It was really fun. Likewise, thank you so, so, so much for having me. Woo, wasn't that a fun one? So great. Go connect with Sophie. Check out the show notes for her current offerings and go follow her on TikTok because she's so full of wisdom. And share this episode with anyone that you think can benefit from anything and everything that she shared here and that you may have learned. As always, if you're open to supporting the podcast, rate and review, follow and subscribe, please. And really... Just go out and make this day beautiful. Go work actively on making your life your greatest masterpiece, greatest adventure, and greatest performance. And I hope that this episode contributed even just 1% more to greater understanding of yourself or of life and alignment and joy and love and well-being because that is the name of the game. I love you. I hope you have a beautiful day. May you be happy, may you be healthy, may you be safe, may you feel seen, heard, known, and loved. From my heart to yours, talk to you next time.